Welcome to this week's Audio Digest edition of Evening Times from Friday 24 to Thursday 30th of August 2018. Read from volunteers from Q for Pink Speakers for Blind at our studios in Bishop Briggs Media Centre. For headlines, part one. Glasgow hospital staff harassed and bullied by park and ticket debt collectors. Brother of Glasgow man wanted by the FBI shot at seeing his mugshot after he left home as a teenager. Several people injured after bus and car crash in Glasgow city centre. Glasgow man William Brown caught dealing diamorphine from a Vauxhall Corsa. Royal Alexandra Hospital, dishwasher broken more than four months, blamed for staff sickness. Hundreds in Glasgow Irish Republican march, day after Orange Order cancelled walk. Alex Salmond takes Scottish Government to court as he denies harassment claims. Lanarkshire Care Home nurse put elderly residents at real risk of harm. Queen Elizabeth University Hospital installs safety nets to stop glass panels from falling. Wonga stops taking new loan requests as payday lender heads for collapse. Bomb squad called to Dalmarnock to deal with explosive device. Glasgow beggars to get help claiming benefits and new scheme. Bomb squad called to Dalmarnock to deal with explosive device. Rutherglen mum gives birth in car park of Glasgow Hospital. Gerald Gavin behind bars after plowing into six children in Castle Milk murder bid. Mum of missing Corey McKeague. New information changes everything in search for my son. Celtic and Lufania. Five things we learned. Adrian Childs. I've had alcohol nearly every day since I was 15. Celtic goalkeeper Greg Gordon wants to shore up backline. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by health correspondent Helen McCaldy, 24th of August 2018. Glasgow hospital staff harassed and bullied by park and ticket debt collectors. Trade Union, Unionson, said it was alarmed over the number of staff at Glasgow Royal Infirmary receiving letters warning that their credit rating will be downgraded or wages frozen unless they settle outstanding parking debts at the hospital. In one case, a disabled worker who has a parking permit and a blue badge was told she must pay £254 for two parking tickets issued in 2016. After briefly leaving her car in a drop-off zone at the GRI because of all the spaces including permit and disabled bays were full. Matt McLaughlin, Unison Rep, said, It is an extreme case but it's not unique and obviously that's a concern. That's what happens when health boards hand over the management of these facilities to private bodies who are only interested in making money and don't give a damn about health workers delivering a service to people in Greater Glasgow and Clyde. This is bullying and harassment, and financial blackmail is wholly unacceptable. In the case of this worker, it's even more acute because she has a clear disability and no option but to bring her car to work. It just goes to show how insensitive APCOA and their debt collection agency are. Parking fees at hospitals in Scotland were abolished in 2009, but the GRI is among a handful of NHS sites which still charge because the car parks are under private finance initiative PFI contracts, out with health board control. It is run by APCOA, the UK's largest private parking provider, but unpaid debts are being pursued on the firm's behalf by a workers based debt recovery agency called QDR Solicitors. 
An administration manager at a hospital who spoke to the Herald on condition of anonymity said she had been plagued by worry since receiving a letter from QDR at the end of July, tenders she owed £254. The 66-year-old suffers from crippling pain in her joints, which has exacerbated after she underwent chemotherapy and radiotherapy for breast cancer in 2010. She is awaiting a knee replacement but cannot walk any distance without pain and uses a walking stick or frame during flare-ups. She has a blue badge but also chooses to pay 25 a month for a permit to ensure she can park in both disabled and permit bays. Nonetheless, she said she often struggled to find a place at the time when she was hit with two parking fines in March and June 2016. She said, I work off-site a lot because I cover Stope Hill, Lightburn and GRI and I'd often be attending meetings at other NHS sites. I used the Castle Street car park because my office is the old building and its closest. But I often found if I had to go off-site and come back, all the spaces would be taken up by people without permits or disabled badges. The APCOA people said if there's no spaces, you'll just need to park in a multi-storey. But that's too far for me to walk. On both occasions, when I was fined, I parked in a drop-off zone, you'll get 30 minutes, and I explained to the car park attendant that I come from being off-site. There was no permit spaces, no disabled bays, I had to get back to work. But I would come back out every so often as soon as I knew there was a space, and I would move the car. I wasn't causing an obstruction, but 30 minutes later I came out and there was a ticket. The staff member said she raised an issue with her line manager and was eventually told by APCOA that the fine would be dropped, for nothing was ever put in writing. At the end of July, two years on, she received a letter from QDR solicitors demanding 254 to settle the outstanding charges. She said, My husband is 77 and I'm 66. We've never had an outstanding debt in our lives, so it's a constant source of worry. It was threatening me with everything under the sun, the rest of my wages, affecting my credit rating, you name it. I phoned them and they were appallingly rude. All they were interested is when I was going to pay and how. Then I discovered that lots of people who work there and have permits have been getting these letters too, but ignoring them. My mistake was phoning them. Everyone's been saying a minute they'll confirm your address. You've had it. Hence my husband says I should just pay it. But it's a lot of money for me and it just feels unfair. QDR solicitors said it could not comment without permission from its client, APCOA. APCOA did not respond to the request for comment. This is an article written by health correspondent Helen McCaldy. In the evening times. News. Record on the 27th of August, 2018. Brother of Glasgow man wanted by the FBI shot at seeing his mugshot after he left home as a teenager. From the Evening Times Online. The brother of a Glasgow pensioner who is wanted by the FBI has told of his shock at seeing his sibling's mugshot. We revealed last week that Scott James Alexander Ward is wanted by the law authority for his alleged involvement in a precious metals fraud scheme that operated in Florida from September of 2007 to March of 2010. Now his brother Michael, 62, has said the fraud suspect ignored his family after leaving home as a teenager and when the FBI published his photo he recognised him straight away. He told the Scottish son it was strange to see his face in the news. I hadn't seen him for a long time but knew it was him, I could see my dad in him. In an appeal, the FBI state that Ward, 65, allegedly operated an entity called Castle and Hawk Incorporated, which solicited investors to buy precious metals such as gold, silver and platinum on a leveraged basis. Instead of investing the approximately $400,000 Ward received from at least 12 investors, he allegedly used the money for his own personal use and benefit. No precious metals were ever acquired for investors. 
A federal arrest warrant was issued for Ward in the United States District Court, Southern District of Florida, Miami, Florida, on September 6, 2012, after he was charged with wire fraud. The FBI also warned that Ward, originally of Bridgeton, may have travelled to Scotland or elsewhere in the UK. He also could be in Canada or Mexico. Michael from Clarkston said, James was always a loner who did his own thing. If the FBI can't find him, neither could I. Do you think he's sitting in my living room? He moved to London when he was 16 or 17 and worked in stock and shares. I heard from people a while ago that he'd emigrated to Canada. Michael explained that when his brother James left home, it devastated their mum, Margaret, who took her pain to the grave when she died in 2007, aged 81. Michael said, My mother took it badly and it was hard for my parents. James won't even know that they are dead. From the Evening Times Online. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Holly Lennon, 24th of August 2018. Several people injured after bus and car crash in Glasgow city centre. The two vehicles collided on Hope Street near Renfrew Lane around 4pm yesterday afternoon. One onlooker said several people had sustained minor injuries in the incident. There were no injuries reported on the bus, according to stagecoach. Jamie Alexander said a car appears to have smashed into a parked car and a shutter after the driver had confrontation with his driver or stagecoach. Passengers by are assisting the people from the car, which deployed its airbags after the crash. Traffic travelling through Hope Street is expected to be delayed as a result. Stagecoach said that the X-76 between Glasgow and Kilmarnock, a spokeswoman for Stagecoach said, a car was involved in a collision with one of our buses this afternoon in Hope Street, Glasgow. There were no reported injuries on the bus, however we understand that the car driver was treated by paramedics. We will assist the police with their investigation into this incident. A spokeswoman for Police Scotland said, We were called to reports of a collision between a car and a bus around 3.40pm. The roadway was cleared around 5.10pm. Minor injuries were reported. The driver of the car has been charged with a leads road traffic offence. This is an article written by Holly Lennon. In the Evening Times. News. Recorded on 27th of August, 2018. Glasgow man William Brown caught dealing diamorphine from a Vauxhall Corsa. By group content editor, Janess Mitchell. A mobile drug dealer was stopped in his tracks by undercover police. William Brown, 26, was snared on the street after he was seen dealing from a Vauxhall Corsa. Officers within an unmarked police car initially spotted the accused being driven around by a woman. They then watched as a man approached the Corsa and was seen to take an item from Brown, who was sitting in the passenger seat. Believing it to be a drugs transaction, the officers later stopped the accused and searched the car. Brown was found to be in possession of diamorphine, worth £1,490, and an additional sum of money. When arrested by police, the accused gave a no-comment interview. 
A Glasgow Sheriff Court last week, Brown pleaded guilty to being concerned on the supply of diamorphine in Welshot Road on January 12, 2018. Brown's Criminal Justice Social Work report indicated that the accused did not believe his actions had an adverse effect on anyone. His lawyer told Sheriff Linda Ruxton that was not the case and he was instead acutely aware of the negative effects drugs have on society. The defence agent added he does not expect to be punished for these offences. Sheriff Ruxton asked the Crown what happened to the suspect who appeared to buy drugs from Brown. She was told that case was not followed up. Brown, of Balbega Street, was therefore sentenced to a community payback order with 210 hours of unpaid work to be completed within six months. By Group Content Editor, Jeunesse Mitchell. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by health correspondent Helen McCaldy. 24th of August, 2018. Royal Alexandra Hospital... This rush of broken more than four months blamed for staff sickness. Unionson said it was concerned over delays to replace the dishwasher at the Royal Alexandra Hospital despite the machine breaking down for four months at the beginning of the year and again in recent weeks. The dishwasher in the hospital's cook-freeze production unit has been out of order a second time since the middle of June, forcing kitchen staff to clean hundreds of dishes and utensils manually. The physical labour has resulted in some staff developing strains and back aches that have left them unable to work. A union representative at the hospital said the dishwasher in CFPU at RAH was out of order for four months at the beginning of the year. It has now been out of order again since mid-June. I had hoped either this would have been fixed by now or replaced. This is an urgent request which needs dealt with ASAP. Staff are working without essential equipment to do their job, with the result that some have been left with no option but to take sick leave. One member called me again today, had to refer herself to a psychiatric for back pain. Apparently it's not even in order yet. It is understood that a meeting will take place today, Friday, where funds will finally be released to buy a new dishwasher. Matt McLaughlin, Unison Scotland's Head of Health, said, This is the economics of Madhouse. People can't spend money on the essential piece of equipment until some committee or forum meets to make a decision. And in the meantime, catering workers are washing thousands of pieces of cutlery and dishes by hand, and one woman, as I understand, has injured her back. We're not talking about two cups and a plate and two spoons. We're talking about hundreds of items a day that need to be cleaned to a commercial standard. The scale of this is much bigger than a dishwasher in your house. A spokeswoman for NHS Greater Glasgow Cried said, a dishwasher in the cook-freeze production unit developed a fault and engineers carried out repairs. The dishwasher broke down again and a new one has been ordered. For clarity, this dishwasher is used purely for dishes following food preparation in this one kitchen and not used to wash any patient dishes. This is an article written by health correspondent Ella McCaldy. Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 27th of August, 2018. Hundreds in Glasgow Irish Republican march day after Orange Order cancelled walk. From the Evening Times Online. Hundreds of people have taken to the streets of Glasgow City Centre for an Irish Republican march the day after the Orange Order cancelled its walk. Police accompanied the marchers who were playing instruments and waving Irish Republican banners and flags. According to Glasgow City Council, the procession was organised by the Friends of the Irish Republican Prisoner Welfare Association. It kicked off at noon on Hyde Park Street and made its way along Anderson Quay, Broomielaw, Oswald Street, Argyle Street, Queen Street, Ingram Street, Glassford Street, Trongate, Gallowgate and Barrowland Park. Around 200 were expected to take part in the anti-internment march. The procession came just a day after the Orange Order withdrew their plan to march in Glasgow on Saturday. 
The council confirmed the order would not parade after city chiefs ruled the walk would not be allowed to go past St Alphonse's Church in Colton, the church where a priest was allegedly spat on and lunged at during last month's Boy March. The Orange Order insisted its members were being persecuted. A spokesman for the Grand Orange Lodge of Scotland said, There is considerable alarm amongst members now that Glasgow City Council has in effect declared some streets as no-go zones based on religion. Everyone has the right to peaceful assembly, and these rights should not be restricted simply because people don't share the same opinions. We will be seeking meetings with all relevant authorities regarding the discrimination being directed at members of the Orange Lodge in this local community, law-abiding people who have done nothing to justify this prosecution. From the Evening Times Online. Here at q and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at com. This is an article from the Evening Times. 24th of August 2018. Alex Salmond takes Scottish Government to court as he denies harassment claims. The Daily Record reported the allegations about his conduct towards two staff members in 2013 while he was in office has been handed to police. In a statement, Mr Salmond denied the claims and said he was being prevented from properly challenging them by Scottish Government procedure. He has launched a court action to contest the complaints process that was activated against him. The Scottish Government said there was a vital of any allegations of harassment were investigated fully. Mr Salmond said, For many months now, and on the advice of senior counsel, I have attempted to persuade the permanent secretary to the Scottish Government that she is behaving unlawfully in the application of complaints procedure, introduced by her more than three years after I left office. This is a procedure so unjust that even now I have not been allowed to see and therefore to properly challenge the case against me. I have not been allowed to see the evidence. He went on, The permanent secretary chose to deny me contact with any current civil servant, many of whom wish to give evidence on my behalf and access to documentation to allow me to properly challenge the complaints, all of which are refute and some of which are potentially ridiculous. The procedure has put into operation by the permanent secretary in a grossly unfair and therefore inevitably will lead to prejudicial outcomes. It is therefore with great reluctance that I have today launched a judicial review in the court of session which will decide the issue of lawfulness of the procedure which has been used against me. A Scottish Government spokeswoman said, We can confirm that Alex Salmond has intended legal proceedings against the Scottish Government and as a result we are restricted in what we can say. However, the Scottish Government will defend its position vigorously as a matter of principle and territory. It is vital that any allegations of harassment are treated seriously and investigated fully, regardless of the identity of the party involved. Police Scotland did not comment on the Daily Record report. This is an article from the Evening Times Online. The Evening, ta- Evening Times News Recorded on the 27th of August, 2018. Lanarkshire Care Home Nurse Put Elderly Residents at Real Risk of Harm by Caroline Wilson A cruel care home nurse who put an OAP with advanced dementia in solitary confinement as a punishment for asking for more food has been struck off. Jacqueline Kelly subjected elderly residents and staff to a catalogue of verbal and physical abuse while employed at two Lanarkshire care homes, an inquiry was told. 
On one or more occasions, she put an elderly woman into a wheelchair and left her in an empty room because she had a habit of asking for more food. Shot colleagues told how they found a woman crying and saying she had been left there because she had been bad. Kelly also pushed a glass of juice into the face of another OAP to force him to take his medication and put her foot against the leg of a chair to stop an elderly woman getting up, leaving her terrified. Nurses' behaviour was described as cruel and unacceptable by a panel of the Nursing and Midwifery Council, NMC, at a recent hearing, who added, Miss Kelly isolated a vulnerable patient with dementia for the purpose of punishing her challenging behaviour. The care home where the incident took place was not identified in the inquiry papers. However, the incidents happened from April 2009 to December 2016 while she was employed by Larchwood Care at Avonbridge Care Home in Hamilton and Beechwood Care Home in Wishaw, owned by Holmes Care Home Limited. The nurse also refused to check on a dying resident whose breathing was described by a colleague as not normal until she realised the family were in the home and pushed a glass of orange juice into the face of another OAP to get him to take his medication at Avonbridge Care Home. The Nursing and Midwifery Council, NMC, heard evidence from eight witnesses and concluded there was a pattern of behaviour which had put residents at real risk of harm. She was dismissed on December 7th, 2016. Other charges found proved state that she placed her foot against the leg of a chair to trap an agitated and distressed elderly woman at Beechwood Care Home, who had wanted to leave the room and then lost her temper, shouting and banging her fist on the table. She was also verbally abusive to colleagues, mocking one for having dyslexia. Leslie Carcary, Director of Action on Elder Abuse Scotland, said, A nurse is someone in a position of trust, and Ms Kelly clearly abused the role by degrading, frightening, and failing to meet the basic needs of vulnerable patients in her care. We applaud the NMC for their decision to strike her off, but are dismayed that no criminal actions were considered in this case. It is now a criminal offence for health and social care staff to deliberately mistreat or neglect people receiving care, and we believe Ms Kelly's conduct clearly falls within this category. The nurse will be struck off the register following an interim sanction, but is entitled to appeal against the decision. By Caroline Wilson. This is an article from the Evening Times, 29th of August 2018. Queen Elizabeth University Hospital installs safety nets to stop glass panels from falling. Pieces of decorative panels have dropped from the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital several times since it opened in 2015. STV said NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde admitted it does not know what is causing a problem, but believes all the panels smashed before falling from the £842 million hospital. We reported earlier this month that a glass panel fell 10 floors. Nobody was injured in an incident. A spokeswoman said it has not been possible to establish the cause of a decorative external glass panel shattering on August 9th. The shattered pieces were not large enough to analyse and determine the cause. The safety of our patients, visitors and staff is our paramount priority, which is why we have installed safety netting where these panels are situated on the building. This is an article from the Evening Times Online. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August 2018. Wonga stops taking new loan requests as payday lender heads for collapse. From the Evening Times Online. Wonga has stopped taking new loan applications as the struggling payday lender teeters on the brink of collapse. The news comes days after it emerged that the company had lined up Grant Thornton to act as administrator in case the leaders board decides it cannot be rescued. A statement on its website read, 
while it continues to assess its options, Wonga has decided to stop taking loan applications. If you are an existing customer, you can continue to use our services to manage your loan. On Wednesday, Wonga held emergency talks with the Financial Conduct Authority over the impact of its collapse on existing customers. It is thought the company will make an announcement later on Thursday regarding its future. Investors in Wonga includes Balderton Capital, Excel Partners and 83 North. Over the weekend, Wonga said it's considering all options just weeks after shareholders pumped in £10 million in a bid to save it from going bust. Earlier this month, the lender said its struggles were due to a significant increase industry-wide in people making claims in relation to historic loans. It blamed claims management companies for the rise, but said it was making progress against a transformation plan set out for the business. On Sunday, Wonga said the number of complaints related to UK loans taken out before 2014 had accelerated further. Against this claims backdrop, the Wonga board continues to assess all options regarding the future of the group and all of its entities, the company said at the time. Wonga has faced a barrage of criticism over the high interest and charges on its loans, and it has been accused of targeting those who are vulnerable. In 2014, the firm introduced a new management team and wrote off £220 million of debt, belonging to 330,000 customers after admitting making loans to people who could not afford to repay them. In the same year, the FCA said it would bring in stricter affordability checks to the industry and introduced a cap on the cost of payday loans on the amount borrowed per day. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from Evening Times, written by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell, 29th of August 2018. Bomb Squad called to Dalmarnock to deal with explosive device. Police Scotland confirmed an explosive ordnance disposal EOD team is currently at the scene on Dalmarnock Road near Dalmarnock Bridge after workmen reported discovering a device believed to be explosive in a building site. Police and fire crews are also in attendance. A controlled explosion will be carried out tonight. Nearby residents have been told to stay away from their windows. Dalmarnock Road will be closed in the meantime. Dalmarnock Railway Station has also been shut down. On Facebook, Karen Clark posted on a Dalmarnock Matters page the bomb will be let off as a controlled explosion within the hour, so if you hear a bang, that's what it is. She added, just had the police at the door. They don't know if the flat windows will shatter, so to keep them open and get to back of our buildings. This is an article written by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August, 2018. Glasgow beggars to get help claiming benefits in new scheme. From the Evening Times Online. Scotland's largest council is to recruit a specialist worker to help street beggars claim any benefits they are entitled to. Glasgow City Council is to employ a digital inclusion officer who will go around the city's streets with a tablet computer and help people with the complicated and confusing welfare system. As well as helping people claim benefits, they will also assist people to get identification and set up bank accounts. The move is part of the council's begging strategy, which will see a new city centre hub offering help and support to homeless people set up in early 2019. Councillor Alan Casey, the chair of Glasgow's city centre begging strategy group, said, The benefit system can be complicated and confusing, especially if you have a chaotic lifestyle and no access to technology or broadband. The application process can be daunting, but this new digital inclusion post will take financial and digital support directly to the most vulnerable people to help ensure no one is missing out on the benefits they are entitled to. 
The Digital Inclusion Officer will work alongside the Simon Community Homelessness Charities Street Team. Robin Wallace, Assistant Director of Simon Community Scotland, said, This type of assistance is exceptionally important for people living on the margins of society. It will ensure people who need the help the most receive it. Our experience within the street team recognises that people can spend a large amount of time engaged in street begging and less time engaging in support and connecting with staff and services. Therefore, it is imperative that we take this service to them. We will fund identification for those who need it to open bank accounts and help them apply for benefits. At the same time, we'll encourage people to access other services on offer to help them improve their lives and their health. Working in partnership with our street team, the new Digital Inclusion Officer will provide support which could be instrumental in getting their lives back on track and finding routes out of poverty. From the Evening Times Online. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts. For free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the national newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article from Evening Times, written by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell, 29th of August 2018. Bomb Squad called to Dalmarnock to deal with explosive device. Police Scotland confirmed an explosive ordnance disposal EOD team is currently at the scene on Dalmarnock Road near Dalmarnock Bridge after workmen reported discovering a device believed to be explosive in a building site. Police and fire crews are also in attendance. A controlled explosion will be carried out tonight. Nearby residents have been told to stay away from their windows. Dalmarnock Road will be closed in the meantime. Dalmarnock Railway Station has also been shut down. On Facebook, Karen Clark posted on a Dalmarnock Matters page the bomb will be let off as a controlled explosion within the hour, so if you hear a bang, that's what it is. She added, just had the police at the door. They don't know if the flat windows will shatter, so to keep them open and get to the back of our buildings. This is an article written by Group Content Editor, Janice Mitchell. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August, 2018. Rutherglen mum gives birth in car park of Glasgow Hospital. By Stacey Mullen. A mum has praised the Scottish Ambulance Service after emergency responders helped her deliver her child in the car park of a hospital. Laura Burnett. 37 of Rutherglen was at home when she woke up in the morning of July the 22nd after she started having contractions. She alerted her husband Chris who phoned the hospital with staff advising the couple to phone an ambulance immediately. Laura said the call handler told us to stay on the line and said you are going to deliver this baby. Two ambulance crews were quickly dispatched with Lisa Curatolo manning a PRU arriving first on scene. She was quickly followed by Stuart Holdsworth and Daniel Fahilli based at Glasgow East Station. Laura, a marketing executive, said, The first responder seemed to arrive in no time at all. The first responder gave me gas and air. Then, within a couple of minutes, the two paramedics arrived. With Laura's contractions getting quicker, she was taken into an ambulance to be transported to Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Laura added, They put the sirens on, and as we pulled into the car park of the hospital, his head appeared. One of the ambulance crew ran in and fetched the midwife. She was in the ambulance in time to manage the rest of his birth. It was very surreal. The maternity staff took me through. We said our goodbyes. Luke was born at 10.44am. 
Laura said, Chris and I are very grateful for the prompt arrival of the crews. Their reassurance and haste to get us all to the hospital safely. They were absolutely amazing. Without them, things could have been completely different. By Stacey Mullen. This is an article from the Evening Times, 29th of August 2018. Gerald Gavin behind bars after ploughing into six children in Castle Milk murder bid. Gerald Gavin ploughed into the youngsters, having intentionally drove at his target, Billy McGuire, in Glasgow's Castle Milk. Gavin and McGuire have links to opposing sides connected to the murder of Jamie Lee in the area in July 2017. A judge on Tuesday watched graphic footage of the children being hurtled into the air as a 22-year-old hit both of them and McGregor. One 14-year-old girl, whom Gavin also reversed over, suffered a broken neck and required lengthy surgery. Gavin is now behind bars after he pleaded guilty to attempting to murder the six youngsters on March 24th this year. The carpet salesman of East Kilbride also admitted trying to kill McGuire in the same accident. He was remained in custody at the High Court in Glasgow pending sentencing next month. Gavin's former co-accused Gary Owen, who had not guilty pleas accepted, as a relative of Jordan Owen, wanted in connection with the player park shooting of Jamie Lee. CCTV of the incident was played to the packed court. Distressed relatives of young victims sobbed. One woman left the courtroom in tears. Lady Scott deferred sentencing on Gavin until September 25th in Edinburgh. This is an article written by The Evening Times Online. Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August 2018. Mum of missing Corey McKeague. New information changes everything in search for my son. From the Evening Times Online. The mother of RAF serviceman Corey McKeague has today made a shocking new claim about her missing son. Nicola Urquhart, 49, revealed the lack of CCTV in the hours after he vanished means the airman could have walked or been driven out of the area he was last seen in, meaning he did not climb into a bin, only later to be dumped in a landfill. She says this new information changes everything in the search for her son, who was last seen on a night out with friends in Bury St Edmunds, Suffolk, in September 2016. Detectives investigating the airman's disappearance believe he climbed into a bin and was transported to a waste site around 30 miles away. Specialist search teams spent 27 weeks scouring the landfill near Cambridge last year but found no trace of Corey's remains. In a lengthy statement on the Find Corey Facebook group, Mrs Urquhart said, Initially I was told by the RAF that no one would have been able to leave this area, or shoot, without being captured on this CZDV. The senior investigating officer, SIO, then confirmed this fact. We have now been told that this is not accurate. Corey could have left in a vehicle after 7am and could have walked out in any direction after midday. The reason for this is the CCTV was only collected in the immediate area up to midday. After 7am, not one of the huge number of vehicles in the area could have been identified or traced. This is why he could leave in any of those vehicles, and there was no CCTV collected in this area after noon. This is why Corey could have walked out. Following his disappearance, it was initially thought Corey, who was based at RAF Honington, may have tried to go home. A search from Bury St Edmunds to RAF Honington was carried out, but Nicola believes other areas need searching. She said, we know that when Corey went missing, there was a massive search carried out from Bury to Honington. 
This search covered the area as if a person was to walk, the police have guessed. Slightly more to it than a simple guess, I am using simple terms, which would be most likely. Suffolk MIT have drawn a line of the most direct way to walk as the crow flies. This area has been searched. However, when I have been with Corey, including the week before he disappeared, he drove from Huntington to Bury on each occasion by driving along the A134 and along Green Lane. April, his partner, has also confirmed this is the way Corey would usually drive. The search for Corey walking back to Honington only covers the right-hand side fields of the road, with only the verge on the other side being searched. There have been a couple of other areas searched on this side, but the majority has not been searched past the standard search when searching a road. The £2 million hunt to find Corey was shelled earlier this year after police admitted having no realistic lines of inquiry left to pursue. Officers from Suffolk Police said his disappearance would now be passed to a cold case team. Any credible new information will continue to be followed up by officers, however it may never be known what happened to Corey. Mrs Urquhart, who is critical of Suffolk Police throughout the post, added that she believes that Corey was never in the landfill. She said the entire area that had rubbish dumped on it from September the 19th, when cell 22 was opened, to September the 30th, when it was closed, was searched and rubbish from Bury on the dates that Corey went missing, was found but not one single trace of Corey or his clothes was found. Rubbish was found in cell 22 from the exact date Corey went missing, and could be confirmed it was from Bury. I believe this all shows without reasonable doubt that Corey was never in this bin or landfill. She added, I will be looking to have areas searched but this will take time. Should I need help again while searching, I will ask. I would beg anyone that felt they had information, but due to the constant messages from the police that Corey was in a landfill, felt it wasn't relevant to please get in touch with Scuffic police. We believe that this new information changes everything. Detective Superintendent Katie Elliott of Suffolk Constabulary said previously, It is extremely disappointing that we have not been able to find Corey. I can only imagine the strain Corey's family have been under over the past 18 months, and I thank them for their patience and understanding. Whilst the investigation has drawn to a natural conclusion, we will continue to work with the family to provide answers to their questions and help them understand what may have happened. From the Evening Times Online This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Alison McConnell, 24th of August, 2018. Celtic and Lufania, five things we learned. A dominant opening period was undone as soon as a sloppy goal was lost, which has become a recurring a theme around the club, as the manager making clear his frustration at the lack of signings. Anyway, five things we've learned from Celtic's 1-1 draw with Sudova in the Europa League. 1. There was a week left in a transfer window. If ever there was a compelling case for fresh blood, it has been there in the performance level against Hart, Partick Fistel and this performance against Studover for the first time since Brendan Rodgers arrived at Celtic. The Parkhead since have looked plodding and ordinary. This has been a lack of tempo to their play and a lack of urgency in recent performances. Celtic needs some kind of injection to lift things. 2. The first half goal conceded was confirmation of what has been evident for many months. Celtic are stuck in a groundhog day when it comes to casually watching high balls float into the box. They lost a Champions League playoff place through, sloppy defending, and in Lithuania it was the same story, 
in the control of the game only for one lapse in a concentration to undo their early good work. The current defence just isn't good enough, even if all are fit and available. 3. Celtic suddenly look like a team playing without confidence. The unease at the back seems to seep through the spine of a team. Having gone from dominating this tie and getting off to an ideal start, Celtic lost their real little in the second period with Craig Gordon called into action to make a couple of decent saves. It was a dull second period with very little creativity on the part of Parkhead's side. 4. Celtic with Odston Edward and Masoud Dembel at the start of the session look as though they would run mock. Injuries to both strikers have undermined the way that Rodgers wants his team to play the session, with two out and out forwards, and certainly the dynamic of the team looked entirely different just a few weeks ago of both players looking on song. 5. There was a feeling that in European football, a 1-1 draw in European football away from home is something to be satisfied with. Celtic, though, will know that they're out to have turned for a screw on this game, and run comfortably against a team who there should be head and shoulders above. The experiency is that Celtic with prevail strongly in Glasgow, but the current performance levels are sloppy and in spread. They will go through, but if there are genuine ambitions to get out of their Europa League group, then the standard has to rise quickly. This is an article written by Alison McConnell. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 27th of August, 2018. Adrian Chales, I've had alcohol nearly every day since I was 15. Adrian Chales has said he has had an alcoholic drink nearly every day since he was 15 years old. The broadcaster, who has recently opened up about his drinking problem ahead of appearing in a new BBC documentary, has also warned that being around other people who drink is part of the issue. Chales, 51, wrote in the Sun newspaper, I've been drinking for 36 years since I was 15, more or less every day. I've worked out that if I lined up every drink I've ever had, the row of glasses would stretch beyond two and a half miles, the length of 44 football pitches. He said that he had convinced himself he did not have a problem because he rarely has hangovers. He would never drink late into the night and because he did not drink large amounts in one sitting. During the filming of the documentary, Drinkers Like Me, Childs, who sometimes consumed up to 80 to 100 units of alcohol per week, was told by a doctor that he could not continue his level of drinking. Child said that otherwise, he was unsure what to include in the programme because his drinking habits are mundane, undramatic and decidedly uninteresting. The BBC Radio 5 Live presenter thinks that part of his problem stems from his social life. He admitted that he would be offended if a friend he was meeting did not have a drink with him. The difficulty with alcohol is that it's the one drug you have to apologise for not taking. He wrote, Drinkers like me tell themselves that everyone drinks, but I think we're conning ourselves. It's just that our friends all happen to drink. And I've realised we're probably friends with them in the first place because they, like us, drink. Chiles has previously said that coming to terms with the amount of alcohol he has been drinking has been a wake-up call and that he wants to cut down. This is an article from the Evening Times, 29th of August 2018, written by Alison McConnell. Celtic goalkeeper Greg Gordon wants to shore up backline. For 90 minutes without conceding a goal was the first time Celtic had achieved such a feat for seven games, something that has been particularly galling for the Scotland's internationalist. Keeping clean sheets has been something we've been very good at over the last two seasons, said Gordon. We had been going along at something like a 50% success rate, 
when it comes to keeping clean sheets, and that is an incredible ratio in any league anywhere in the world. We need to get back into doing that consistently. We've done it the last few seasons, and yeah, we've had a blip the last few weeks, but we can definitely get back into doing that again. Brendan Rodgers claimed in the aftermath of a 1-1 draw with Sodeville last Thursday night that Celtic had to take greater pride in their defensive work. And while Gordon was reluctant to divulge what was said in the dressing room in the intimate aftermath of the game, he acknowledged that there had been a softness about Celtic's back that needs to be recertified. I think they have just been given up a lot of easy chances recently, and that's disappointing, said the keeper. Teams haven't had to work too hard to get their goals against us so far this season. We have dominant games and played quite well at times and got a clean sheet against Hamilton, but too often we have shot ourselves in the foot by giving up easy chances so we have to stop that from happening. We know where we have been going wrong. Celtic dominated against Sudvern last week, but couldn't come out of a game with a more empathetic scoreline, something that has been another source of concern for the Parkhead side. It's been the story for us the last few weeks, says Gordon. We have had the majority of the ball not turned into goals and found ourselves losing goals at the other end form for not many chances given up. So that has been frustrating and something we need to sort out and get back into consistently doing what we have been doing over the last two seasons. For the quality we have in the team, we are going to dominate most games and dominate the ball. It's about turning that into goal-scoring chances for us and concentrating at the back and making sure we are not giving up the few chances we've been losing goals from. Every chance we give up seems to go on target at the moment, and that's just the stage we're at. We have to focus and get through it and get better for what is a very big week in prospect. This is an article written by Alison McConnell. This is the end of part one. After a short break, we'll be coming back in part two with more great articles from the Evening Times. Welcome back. The headlines in part two. Suspect 20, charged with alleged attempted murder of woman 51 in Jordan Hill. Payday lender Wonga on brink of collapse after surge in compensation claims. Orange Order cancels Glasgow March after council ordered it to stay away from Catholic Church. Tele-detective Mark Williams Thomas hits out after prosecutors say his Angus Sinclair documentary showed no evidence of the killer in Glasgow. Glasgow police recover £200,000 haul of cocaine, heroin and cannabis. Stephen Gerrard backs Eros Gerzda to excite the Ibrox crowd as he nears the Rangers switch. Mecca Bingo forged customer set to renew car during giveaway weekend. Glasgow Science Centre to get share of £2.6 million in funding boost. Celtic and Lufania. Five things we learned. Edinburgh Western MSP Alex Cole Hamilton bombarded with 2,000 empty envelopes. Major Glasgow Road closed due to serious road accident. Security issues delayed Garnet Hill residents return home following Glasgow School of Art fire. Davy Hay. 60 years to go since Billy McNeil's Celtic debut put his legend endures. Glasgow Science Centre to get share of £2.6 million in funding boost. James Milner, Liverpool teammate Andy Robertson, won't shut up about Celtic. He's turned me into a Rangers fan. Glasgow campaigners show support for Hamden Stadium Roar campaign. Trendy pubs selling country's most expensive draft paint. Is it worth the money? 
This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Holly Lennon, 24th of August 2018. Suspect 20, charged with alleged attempted murder of woman 51 in Jordan Hill. A young man has been arrested and charged in connection with the alleged attempted murder of a woman in Jordan Hill. The 20-year-old man is expected to appear in Glasgow Sheriff Court tomorrow in relation to the incident. The 51-year-old female woman was attacked within a flat in Southbury Gardens around 6.30pm on Wednesday evening. A report will be submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. This is an article written by Holly Lennon. The Evening Times News Recorded on the 27th of August, 2018. Payday lender Wonga on brink of collapse after surge in compensation claims. Wonga has lined up potential administrators after a surge in compensation claims pushed the payday lender to the brink of collapse, according to reports. The firm has said it is considering all options just weeks after shareholders pumped £10 million in a bid to save it from going bust. According to Sky News, Wonga has earmarked financial services firm Grant Thornton to act as administrator in case the lender's board decides it cannot avoid insolvency. Earlier this month, Wonga said that struggles were due to a significant increase industry-wide in people making claims in relation to historic loans. The lender blamed claims management companies for the rise, but said it was making progress against a transformation plan set out for the business. On Sunday, Wonga said the number of complaints related to UK loans taken out before 2014 had accelerated further. Against this claims backdrop, the Wonga board continues to assess all options regarding the future of the group and all of its entities, the company told the BBC. Wonga has faced a barrage of criticism over the high interest it charges on its loans, and has been accused of targeting those who are vulnerable. In 2014, the firm introduced a new management team and wrote off £220 million worth of debt belonging to 330,000 customers, after admitting making loans to people who could not afford to repay them. In the same year, the Financial Conduct Authority said it would bring in stricter affordability checks to the industry and introduce a 0.8% cap on the cost of payday loans on the amount of borrowed per day. Revenues from Wonga's consumer lending collapsed from £217.2 million to £77.3 million in 2015, with it blaming stricter lending criteria and the introduction of the regulatory price cap. Company chairman Andy Hayes said at the time he hoped 2016 would be a turning point in the company's financial performance and was expecting to return to profit the following year. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. 24th of August 2018 Orange Order cancels Glasgow March after Council ordered it to stay away from Catholic Church. Glasgow City Council has confirmed that the order will not parade after City Chiefs ruled that the walk would not be allowed to go past St Athelus Church in Calton. It came after Police Scotland Superintendent John McBride claimed riot police would be pulled in from all over Scotland to combat a major counter-protest. Online groups have called for action to defend the church following ugly scenes on July 7th when priest Canon Tom Wright was allegedly attacked during the annual Boyne March. A spokesman for the council said yesterday's public possessions committee imposed a new route and a start time on March by Orange and Parade District 37 due to take place this Saturday. The organiser has now informed the council that it no longer intends to go ahead with the event and the procession has been withdrawn entirely. Yesterday, the Grand Orange Lodge of Scotland accused the council of discrimination. 
Our statement said, We are extremely concerned at the decision today to reroute a parade and effectively ban us from certain streets. It is discrimination in its pursuit form. Glasgow City Council has now established the first no-go zones in Glasgow based purely on your religion. We offered numerous occasions, including a moving for parade to a different day, continued discussion and dialogue, and we identified the times the services at St Anthony's Church and offered to move the time to other parade to ensure that we avoided those services. All of this was rejected. We were offered no concessions or negotiations in return. Instead, we now have entire streets in Glasgow closed off at the request of one religion over another. That came despite Ken Andrew, chair of City's Public Possessions Committee, confirming that there is not a blanket ban on the order taken of a route past the church on Stevenson Street. The committee decided that the order would have to change its proposed route tomorrow, starting in Tula Street and going through Main Street, McKeith Street, James Street, The Green, Newall Street, Dunn Street, London Road, Bridgeton Cross, James Street, McKeith Street, Main Street and Tula Street. However, the order will not march on that route tomorrow. The decision to restrict the parade to those streets came after Superintendent McBride said, The intelligence does not indicate that there is a request from a group who has called for any other like-minded individuals to attend. It invites certain elements of society who potentially see this as an opportunity cause disorder. If this parade were allowed to go ahead, it would necessarily train public possession officers that were involved. In your mind's eye, think of riot police without the helmets. They would ensure that the incivilly element of a protest or counter-protest would not need disorder. It would be at least five times for the usual numbers of officers. This is an article written by local democracy reporter, Eddie Harbinson. In the Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 27th of August, 2018. Tele-detective Mark Williams Thomas hits out after prosecutors say his Angus Sinclair documentary showed no evidence of the killer in Glasgow. From the Evening Times Online A tele-detective has hit out at prosecutors after they decided his Angus Sinclair documentary produced no evidence to link the killer to more murders in Glasgow. Mark Williams Thomas says the investigator on ITV in April tied the World's End double killer to the death of four others. He told the Scottish Sun... I think there is new and overwhelming evidence he is responsible. In the series, the former Surrey police officer analysed the unsolved murders of Anna Carey, 20, Hilda Macaulay, 36, and Agnes Cooney, 23, who were brutally abducted and killed within four months of each other in Glasgow in 1977. The killer has never been caught more than 40 years on, but the show explored the possibility that Sinclair could be responsible. The show also claimed that Sinclair was an accomplice in the murder of Francis Barker, 37, also in 1977. The Crown Office confirmed no action will be taken. A police spokesman said this is a matter for the Crown Office. Evil Sinclair was jailed for 37 years in 2014 for the murders of Christine Eady, 17, and Helen Scott, 17, in Edinburgh in 1977. The two teenage girls were abducted by Sinclair after meeting him in the World's End pub. He was initially tried and cleared for their killings in 2007 after a cold case review. But in 2014, the introduction of the double jeopardy laws meant he was finally held to account. He's also serving another concurrent life tariff for the rape and murder of Glasgow teenager Mary Gallagher. The 17-year-old was found on waste ground in the Springburn area of the city in 1978. Anna Kenny, 20, disappeared after a night out with a friend at the Hurdy-Gurdy bar in Townhead in August 1977.
She left with a man and he later revealed to police that she left him to get a taxi home. She was missing for two years before her body was discovered in a shallow grave near Skipness on Kintyre. In October 1977, the body of Hilda Miller, 36, was found covered by bushes at Langbank, near the M8 motorway. The mum of two was last seen leaving the plaza ballroom with a smartly dressed man. Her body was discovered by kids out picking blackberries near a lover's lane. Two months later, children's nurse Agnes Cooney, 23, was found stabbed in woodland near Caldercrux, Lanarkshire. She had walked four miles from the Clada Club in the south side to an M8 slip road and then hitched a lift to her home in Coat Bridge. Sinclair's ex-wife Sarah also took part in her first ever TV interview for the show where she described him as polite, kind and considerate during their marriage. She also claimed the killer was responsible for 10 years of mayhem killing women around Glasgow. With her identity hidden, the incredibly nervous and very private person said she was speaking on air for the first time because she didn't know why Sinclair has never been charged with everything, everything that he has ever done. Sinclair was 25 when he married Sarah, Nan Hamilton, from Townhead in Glasgow in 1970. She was 20 and a trainee nurse. They had met two years prior, just after Sinclair had served six years for the culpable homicide of his eight-year-old neighbour, Catherine Rehill, in Glasgow. She said, He was very polite. He was very kind, considerate. I was just really happy. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Caroline Wilson, 29th of August 2018. Glasgow police recovered £200,000 haul of cocaine, heroin and cannabis. Officers searched a house in Donata Street, Rukazi today, at around 8.30am and recovered heroin, cocaine, cannabis and valium. A 49-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection with a find. He is due to appear today at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Wednesday. A report will be submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. Detective Inspector Stevie Elliott, Greater Glasgow Serious and Organised Crime Team, said, The find today was significant, and getting a drugs off the street will certainly impact those involved with its distribution. I would encourage anyone who has information that will help us to continue to crack down on drugs in our local communities to contact police. This was an article written by Caroline Wilson. The Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 30th of August 2018. Stephen Gerrard backs Eros Gerzda to excite the Ibrox crowd as he nears the Rangers switch. By group senior sports writer Christopher Jack. Stephen Gerrard has backed winger Eros Gerzda to establish himself as a firm favourite with Rangers fans if he completes his £2 million move to Ibrox. The Albanian is poised to become the 13th signing of the summer for boss Gerrard and finalise a switch from Ozijek in the next 48 hours. Gerrard has already dipped into the Croatian market twice this term to sign defenders Nikola Katic and Borna Barisic from Slavin Belupo and Ozijek respectively. Now Gresda, who did not feature against the Gerrards in the Europa League second qualifying round, is in line to follow his countrymen to Glasgow. That will leave Gerrard only seeking to bring another defender on board before the transfer window closes tomorrow night. And the Ibrox boss is confident Gresda will prove to be a key player for his side once he puts pen to paper with the light blues. Gerrard said, There is nothing to report on Joe Warrell at the moment, as he is still a Nottingham Forest player. Gresda is currently having a medical, and I don't want to say too much until it's over the line. But he is an excellent player, and the fans will love him because he can contribute in the final third. He's really quick, 
very direct, and he comes in with international experience. According to Borna and Katic, he was by a mile Osijek's best player last season. He is a very dangerous player, and while you never want to see anyone injured, we are thankful he wasn't available to play against us. All going well, hopefully he'll be a big player for us moving forward. Gerrard has significantly overhauled his squad in recent weeks, following his appointment as manager. But there are still deals to be done before the close of the business this month. The 38-year-old won't be sanctioning the sale of striker Alfredo Morelos. However, after the Colombian again attracted interest from League One, Rangers rebuffed a £3.75 million bid from Bordeaux for Morelos a fortnight ago and the 22-year-old has since received his first international call-up for the matches with Venezuela and Argentina. Gerard is determined to retain the services of Morelos for the long term and hopes he will soon sign on the dotted lines to commit his future to Rangers. He said, he's a very confident player anyway, he always believes he can deliver, so it's no surprise for me to see him get a call-up. He has been in fantastic form, and we are all delighted for him. We hope he can go away and do himself justice, and I believe that he will. Yes, there has been progress with regards to a new contract. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But he is in talks, it's ongoing. We're hoping there is some good news to report soon. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack. Here at Q&A Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at This is an article from the Evening Times. 29th of August 2018 Written by Maxine MacArthur. Mecca Bingo Forge customer set to renew car during giveaway weekend. Mecca Glasgow Forge will give away a brand new five-door Vauxhall Viva as part of the club's big win weekend on September 2nd. In place of a final house jackpot of the evening, the new 18-plate car will be up for grabs. Paul McLinhey, club manager of Mecca Glasgow Forge, said at Mecca Glasgow Forge, we always like to offer unique prizes that have the ability to change people's lives. Our Vauxhall Viva is the perfect car for scooting around Glasgow and we can't wait to see which lucky member will be the one to drive off with the prize. What better way to experience that winning feeling than a brand new motor? To attend a Mecca club, you need to be aged 18 years or over and be a customer of Mega Bingo. This is an article written by Maxine MacArthur. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August 2018. Glasgow Science Centre to get share of £2.6 million in funding boost. From the Evening Times Online. Scotland's science centres are to be given £2.6 million of funding as visitor numbers continue to grow. The money for the coming year is part of the Scottish Government's Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths STEM education and training strategy. Four science centres in Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dundee and Dynamic Earth in Edinburgh welcomed more than 700,000 visitors in 2017, up 30,000 on the previous year. Figures show 180,000 visitors came from preschools, schools, colleges and universities, including 40,000 supported visits involving schools in more deprived and rural areas. Education Secretary John Swinney said, Scotland is the only part of the UK to provide annual support to science centres, ensuring they can continue to introduce science to new audiences. 
It's fantastic to see continuing growth in visitor numbers, due in no small part to the range of interactive events on offer to attract people of all ages, as well as evenings for adults, themed takeovers, and local community-led activities. The science centres also have an important role to play in delivering our STEM education and training strategy. I am pleased that we will continue to work together to achieve our shared goal of supporting people's engagement with science, technology, engineering and maths throughout their lives. Scotland's Chief Scientific Advisor, Professor Sheila Rowan said, Science, technology, engineering and maths impact on our lives every day and science centres are great places to find out more. Through hands-on exhibitions, workshops and events, people of all ages can explore science and keep learning about our world and beyond. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Alison McConnell, 24th of August 2018. Celtic and Lufania, five things we learned. A dominant opening period was undone as soon as a sloppy goal was lost which has become a recurring theme around the club, as the manager making clear his frustration at the lack of signings. Anyway, five things we've learned from Celtic's 1-1 draw with Sudova in the Europa League. 1. There was a week left in a transfer window. If ever there was a compelling case for fresh blood, it has been rare in the performance level against Hart, Partick Fistel and this performance against Sudova for the first time since Brendan Rodgers arrived at Celtic. The parkhead since have looked plodding and ordinary. This has been a lack of tempo to their play and a lack of urgency in recent performances. Celtic needs some kind of injection to lift things. 2. The first half goal conceded was confirmation of what has been evident for many months. Celtic are stuck in a groundhog day when it comes to casually watching high balls fall into the box. They lost a Champions League playoff place through sloppy defending and in Lithuania it was the same story in the control of the game only for one lapse in a concentration to undo their early good work. The current defence just isn't good enough even if all are fit and available. 3. Celtic suddenly look like a team playing without confidence. The unease at the back seems to seep through the spine of a team. Having gone from dominating this tie and getting off to an ideal start, Celtic lost their real little in the second period with Craig Gordon called into action to make a couple of decent saves. It was a dull second period with very little creativity on the part of Parkhead's side. 4. Celtic with Odston Edward and Masoud Dembel at the start of the session look as though they would run mock. Injuries to both strikers have undermined the way that Rodgers wants his team to play this session, with two out and out forwards, and certainly the dynamic of the team looked entirely different just a few weeks ago of both players looking on song. 5. There was a feeling that in European football, a 1-1 draw in European football away from home is something to be satisfied with. Celtic will know that they're out to have turned for a screw on this game, and run comfortably against a team who there should be head and shoulders above. Spexperancy is that Celtic will prevail strongly in Glasgow, but the current performance levels are sloppy and in sped. They will go through, but if there are genuine ambitions to get out of their Europa League group, then the standard has to rise quickly. This is an article written by Alison McConnell. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player where our podcasts are available. 
To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata Internet Radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 28th of August, 2018. Edinburgh Western MSP Alex Cole-Hamilton bombarded with 2,000 empty envelopes. From the Evening Times Online. Police have been called in after an MSP was bombarded with 2,000 handwritten but empty free post envelopes. Liberal Democrat member for Edinburgh Western, Alex Cole Hamilton, received a pile of nuisance mail at his Clifton Terrace office last week. Speculation is now rife as to whether the post was a bizarre prank or a malicious attempt to cut into Mr Cole Hamilton's constituency coffers. Some 2,000 envelopes with a free post address scrawled in the same handwritten block capitals and ink arrived last Wednesday at the Clifton Terrace Lib Dem base. Mr Cole Hamilton said, We had a bit of a laugh about it at their expense. It must have taken them two or three days, but it's unlikely to cost us a penny. Mr Cole Hamilton said the free post address was widely available, pushed through constituents' doors on surveys, so they can submit them completed to his office. He added, It's important in a democracy that elected members are accessible and at no cost to yourself, and we fundraise to support that. Mr Cole Hamilton's staff started opening the envelopes to find nothing inside and immediately twigged to the ruse. The MSP said he suspected the sender intended for him to run up a bill close to £1,000 in free post fees. He said clearly this was designed to target us, to drain our resources, but what he didn't know is that the Royal Mail might refund malicious misuse of postal addresses, as they may do in this case. To spend that amount of time on something like this is a bit of a worry. My staff just wondered what was going on. But I would have been far more worried if they'd been knocking on doors in my constituency persuading people to vote for someone else. Mr Cole Hamilton's staff have now reported the matter to police, but hold on little hope officers will be able to trace the sender. Mr Cole Hamilton said, We're not wasting police time, it's just so they can log it and see the bigger picture. Ever since Joe Cox, we don't take anything lightly, and log with police anything that's out of the ordinary. The Royal Mail is understood to look at malicious use of free post services on a case-by-case basis, before considering covering the cost itself. A spokeswoman said, We are investigating and liaising with the MSP on this matter. Police officers are expected to meet with Mr Cole Hamilton and his staff today to discuss the matter. Police spokesman said, Police in Edinburgh have received a report of inappropriate use of a free post service in the Kirstorfen area. Officers will liaise with the recipient to establish the full circumstances surrounding this report. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from the Evening Times. Written by Group Content Editor Janice Mitchell, 29th of August 2018. Major Glasgow Road closed due to serious road accident. A major road has been closed tonight due to a road accident. Paisley Road West is shut in both directions from Moss Park Boulevard and Lordress Avenue. The road will remain closed until further notice. Drivers have been urged to use an alternative route. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 28th of August, 2018. Security issues delay Garnet Hill residents' return home following Glasgow School of Art fire. By Holly Lennon. 
plans to get residents back home following the Glasgow School of Art fire have been delayed by security issues. Dozens of people living on Dalhousie Street had expected to be able to return to their homes on Monday after the footway on the east side of the street was reopened. But housing bosses were forced to postpone the move in process after discovering that doors to the properties had been severely damaged and have to be repaired. Charing Cross Housing Association, who own the majority of the homes on Dalhousie Street, were only able to assess the damage on Saturday when work to reduce the cordon began. It is believed Police Scotland forced entry into the buildings under instructions by the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service. Housing Association tenants are being given access to their homes between the hours of 10am and 3pm until the doors are replaced. Glasgow City Council said support was available but was being managed by the tenant's landlord. On arrival on Monday morning, they were given dust masks before being briefed by the association's maintenance officer and escorted to their home by a contractor who unlocked the secured doors. Residents were strongly advised not to open their fridges due to electricity being shut off and given a starter pack of cleaning products to clean up. Iram Shafiq, 21, her mother Rifat, 43, her brothers Amir, 23, and Kasim, 11, and her sister Rima, 17, left their Dalhousie Street home on June the 16th with just the clothes they were wearing. Both Kasim and Rima are autistic, and Rima also suffers from severe epilepsy and is both non-verbal and incontinent. After being evacuated on the night of the blaze, the family were not allowed to return to pick up valuable or personal possessions like nappies, a comforter or medication. They were given access for 30 minutes on Saturday to grab essentials before returning on Monday in the hope of being allowed back for good. Iram said, The flat really needs cleaned. There is dirt on the walls, dust on water damage that will need to be repaired and our door is broken. The family are currently living out of two apartments on Bath Street, but will have to relocate on September the 1st. Another Dalhousie Street resident returned to find his wallet missing and further water damage, believed to have been caused by firefighters dampening the buildings. The Charing Cross Housing Association tenant, who did not want to be named, was initially let in wearing protective gear on Saturday. He explained, I had to put on a protective suit, shoes and mask. I was followed by another six people, including insurers, who were filming and taking pictures. The damage isn't as bad as I had been preparing for, but there were some small things missing, including my wallet, which I left behind after being removed by police. It's obvious there have been people inside, whether that's contractors or otherwise. I've got some water ingress on my ceiling, and the closed ceiling seems to be leaking, but the water has been off so it's possible there's been a leak. Chan Cross Housing Association said that they have no set date for when their tenants will be able to return permanently, but it will take a number of days for issues with the doors to be resolved. Alasdair Weir, maintenance officer, has been working with Lockley Construction Group to get the homes back in order. He said, the police have forced access to the properties so all the doors are damaged, to what extent we didn't know until Saturday. It's going to take until the end of the week to get that sorted. There's no power in one of the buildings, so the doors are not secured, and we've had to board up all the closes. It's been challenging. Pauline McNeil, MSP, said she was furious about the lack of coordination by authorities as residents prepared to return home. She added, The council have not taken responsibility for these poor people. It's an absolute failure of their public and moral duty. They've got egg all over their face because it has been a monumental disaster. It was obvious to a child if you were out of your home for 10 weeks and weren't allowed to return there would be environmental issues. Issues with locks, issues with electricity and gas, it would be obvious. They abandoned them as far as I'm concerned. They need some kind of pastoral support after the trauma they have been through. 
more financial assistance will be needed as well. Businesses on Slicky Hall Street are continuing their clean-up efforts after being granted access to their properties on Saturday. The south side of the street was allowed to return, including the Blue Lagoon Chip Shop and Cafe Antipasti, who are hoping to reopen on Saturday after a week of cleaning. Glasgow City Council have made bulky waste bins available for businesses with items to throw out. Those on the opposite side of the street, including the Centre for Contemporary Arts, CCA, and Bagelmania, will remain closed. Francis McKee, director of the CCA, was granted access for an hour only to discover flooding in one of their galleries. He explained, we're hoping to be back in between September 3rd and 7th to get things in order and repair the flooding. Our deep clean will take around three days. Then we're hoping to uphold our commitments in terms of exhibitions by turning the event spaces for installations that haven't been seen yet. A spokesman for Glasgow City Council said, support has been arranged as is available, as anyone would expect. However, it is being managed by the tenant's landlord, which owns and has responsibility for their homes. Residents did ask the council to arrange a number of resources like additional waste collections and they are also all in place. This is in addition to a wide range of other support and services that have been made available since the fire, including emergency and temporary accommodation and £3,000 to cover unexpected costs while waiting on insurance settlements. By Holly Lennon This is an article from the Evening Times, 24th of August 2018, written by Davy Hay. Davy Hay, 60 years to go since Billy McNeil's Celtic debut put his legend in Jewers. Today marks the 60th anniversary of Billy McNeil's debut for Celtic in a 2-0 win against Clyde in the league club. I don't think there is a more iconic image for Celtic fans than the picture of Billy holding a loft for European Cup. It was a privilege of mine that I played alongside Billy, that I trained with him, and he was a huge help to me at that stage in my career. He was not just a fantastic player who won a lot for Celtic, and who was a tremendous captain and ambassador for the club, but he was also a very successful manager. He was a real leader, and it was great to see the statue that is there now on the Celtic rear, because it would be difficult to underestimate the effect that he had on the club, and rear his riches roving into history of Celtic. My heart goes out to his family now, as he fights dementia because it's such a cruel illness. This is an article written by Davy Hay. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the national newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 30th of August 2018. Glasgow Science Centre to get share of £2.6 million in funding boost. From the Evening Times Online. Scotland's science centres are to be given £2.6 million of funding as visitor numbers continue to grow. The money for the coming year is part of the Scottish Government's Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths STEM education and training strategy. Four science centres in Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dundee and Dynamic Earth in Edinburgh welcomed more than 700,000 visitors in 2017, up 30,000 on the previous year. 
Figures show 190,000 visitors came from preschools, schools, colleges and universities, including 40,000 supported visits involving schools in more deprived and rural areas. Education Secretary John Swinney said, Scotland is the only part of the UK to provide annual support to science centres, ensuring they can continue to introduce science to new audiences. It is fantastic to see continuing growth in visitor numbers, due in no small part to the range of interactive events on offer to attract people of all ages, as well as evenings for adults, themed takeovers and local community-led activities. The science centres also have an important role to play in delivering our STEM education and training strategy. I am pleased that we will continue to work together to achieve our shared goal of supporting people's engagement with science, technology, engineering and maths throughout their lives. Scotland's Chief Scientific Advisor, Professor Sheila Rowan said, Science, technology, engineering and maths impact on our lives every day and science centres are great places to find out more. Through hands-on exhibitions, workshops and events, people of all ages can explore science and keep learning about our world and beyond. From the Evening Times Online. This is an article from the Evening Times, 29th of August 2018, written by Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. James Milner, Liverpool teammate Andy Robertson, won't shut up about Celtic. He's turned me into a Rangers fan. Glasgow-born Robston played for the Parkhead Club as a youth before being released when he was 15 because he was deemed too small to make it as a professional player. However, the left-back, who has gone on to play for Queen's Park, Dundee United, Hull City in Scotland since leaving Celtic, has remained a keen supporter. Milner told how the defender who joined Liverpool in an 18 million transfer from Hull last year goes on about nothing else and joked that he is now favours Rangers as a result. We will definitely be keeping an eye on the old firm game at Liverpool, said the England midfielder who will play a match for Cantor at Parkhead on Saturday, September 8th. We have Robo in our dressing room who goes on about Celtic non-stop. We will definitely have it on. I was pretty neutral before he came. But I must admit, I do lean towards the Ranger side when we are talking about it, just to wind him up for nothing else. This is an article written by Chief Football Writer Matthew Lindsay. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 28th of August, 2018. Glasgow campaigners show support for Hampden Stadium Roar campaign. By Group Content Editor, Jeunesse Mitchell. Glasgow's politicians, business leaders, campaigners and community groups have come out fighting for Hampden Park as the Scottish Football Association gathers to decide whether it will remain the home of the national team. As reported by the Evening Times, the Scottish Football Association, SFA, is weighing up whether to quit the national stadium when its lease expires in 2020 or transfer it elsewhere, possibly to Murrayfield in Edinburgh. SFA bosses meet today to discuss bids from both Hampden Park and the Scottish Rugby Union to host Scottish international matches, along with cup finals and semi-finals. The final decision is expected to be announced later on this week. John McHugh, spokesman for campaign group Hampden Roar, said, After the tragedy of the art school, Glasgow cannot lose another iconic building. We should make Hampden a priority for Scotland to celebrate our culture, history, people and national sport and you will attract investment for improvements to the stadium and infrastructure. Instead of walking away from the community who have housed them for a century, we're asking the SFA to share our vision for Hampden, Scotland's most significant sporting, cultural and historical asset.
Glasgow City Council has backed the National Stadium, remaining at Hampden. While the Scottish Government has not expressed an official view on whether Glasgow or Edinburgh should host the prestigious and lucrative matches, our Save the Hampden Roar campaign has highlighted how losing the stadium would have a huge impact on Glasgow's economy and its burgeoning role in international sport. A letter signed by businesses in Mount Florida has underlined the hammer bullet that would be dealt to the local economy if the SFA decides to leave Hampden Park for Murrayfield. The letter, coordinated by Mount Florida Community Council, MoFlo Coco, has been signed by 39 businesses representing the majority of the neighbourhood shopping area. The letter highlights the community benefits of the local shopping area as well as the economic contribution. Chris Karras of MoFlo Coco said, All types of business are represented in the signatories, including businesses that benefit directly on event days like restaurants, as well as others that benefit from the additional year-round footfall brought by the SFA offices, the Sports Health Centre, corporate events and other stadium visitors. A decision by the SFA to leave Hampden would be another shock to the city, coming soon after the tragic fire at Glasgow School of Art, which shut down businesses in parts of Sucky Hall Street. Mr Carris added, only four of the businesses we spoke to declined to put their names on the letter. Of those that gave a reason, the main issue is reduced access for deliveries on major match days. That is something we believe can be improved, and we intend to raise it with the City Council and Police Scotland. Glasgow Chamber of Commerce has also given its backing to the campaign to keep Hamden as the home for Scottish football. The SFA has a straight choice between Hamden or a move to Murrayfield in Edinburgh, the home of Scottish rugby. In a letter to the SFA, Stuart Patrick, Chief Executive of the Chamber, said Hamden was more than a stadium and brought to the city's economy. Mr Patrick wrote, It is a statement of Glasgow's proud place as one of the world's top sporting cities and of Scottish football's position in the global game. It is known across the world as Scotland's football home. The fact that Hampden is one of the host venues for Euro 2020 is a reminder of its world-class status and capability of hosting such events, and the benefits that it brings to Glasgow and for the profile of Scottish football. Furthermore, the recent sellout appearances of such popular music stars as Ed Sheeran, Beyonce and Jay-Z this summer further remind of the stadium's appeal, flexibility and potential beyond sport. The letter said the economic impact of Hamden was of significant value to the city and to Scotland and was not only measured by tens of millions of pounds but also by reputation. It said the park had forged strong links with the local community and there were countless businesses, bars, cafes and restaurants in the surrounding areas which provided jobs for local people. The letter said the city had delivered the 2018 European Championships, proof of its capability to deliver world-class sporting events. It concluded, We need a healthy and valued Hampden Park for such events in the future. We are writing to state our support for Hampden Park and urge the Scottish FA to ensure it remains the home of Scottish football beyond 2020. By Group Content Editor, Jeunesse Mitchell. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 28th of August, 2018. 20 pubs selling country's most expensive draft pint. Is it worth the money? From the Evening Times Online. A 20 pub is selling possibly the country's most expensive draft pint that costs an astonishing £22.50. The Craft Beer Company, which has bars across the UK, sell pints of Speedway Stout for more than five times the cost of an average beer. But drinkers certainly do get a bit more bang for their buck because the US brewed stout is a pokey 12% alcohol by volume. Per milliliter, the stout works out as more expensive than a bottle of luxury Belvedere vodka, which costs £45 each. A barman in the chain's Old Street pub said the beer, 
which they are happy pouring as a third of a pint for £7.50, is pricey because of the ingredients. The beer, which is made in California by San Diego-based Alesmith Brewing Company, contains Blue Mountain coffee from Hawaii, as well as other expensive ingredients. With a jet black colour and thick syrup consistency, the coffee-flavoured brew is thought to be the most expensive draft pint in Britain. Martin Hayes, managing director of the Craft Beer Company, said, We sell the Ilsmith Speedway Stout Hawaiian Special Edition by the one-third pint as standard. We do not stop people buying a half or even a full pint, should they wish. In the same way, we do not stop people buying two or even three pints of standard strength lager. When we import into the UK and showcase some extremely rare and unusual beers that tend to be incredibly high in alcohol by volume, they do come at premium prices. Drinkers were unconvinced with the pricey tipple, which costs more than a good bottle of wine. One said, it looks delicious, but it's too busy, tastes like an old blanket. For me, the coffee really doesn't do much to the pint, but make it taste like it's been poured into a dirty glass. I'm sure it's to some people's tastes, but definitely not mine. It looks like Guinness, but tastes like regret. The others were more on the side with the mega posh pint. A city worker, who asked not to be named, said, That's a nice pint, that. I wouldn't mind splashing out on one if it were a special occasion or something. But I can't imagine anyone spending an afternoon sinking beer. That's more expensive than my mortgage. The craft beer company have pubs across London and the South East, and each has a different selection of draft beers. Ailsmith Brewery in San Diego, California, USA, invented the stout as a flagship export brew. With an ominous appearance, the flavours consist of chocolate and malts, supported by notes of dark fruit, toffee and caramel. The average price of a bint of beer in London was marked at £5.20 in 2018, but nationwide that figure is £4.40 last year. The Craft Brewing Company has different draft beer selections at different pubs, and in Old Street, Sour Beer Melonious Blonde costs a whopping £8.40 per third of a pint, but just £22 for a full pint. Martin said that the after-work pint is now just as often as the after-work half pint or third pint. He claims that people are now looking to try new things and flavours with a 4% pint, now quite often the after-work 12% third of a pint. Martin added, being the original craft beer-focused pubs in London, our business is curation, offering people an unmatched choice and unmatched hospitality and knowledge. We offer people a huge choice and our prices are always carefully calculated and incredibly good value. On their website, Ailsmith have a wordy description of their regular Speedway Stout, which they claim improves with age. They said, Speedway Stout's ominous pitch black appearance has become a hallmark of this modern day classic. Chocolate and roasted malts dominate the flavour, supported by notes of dark fruit, toffee and caramel. A healthy dose of locally roasted coffee from Ryan Brothers Coffee Incorporated added to each batch, brings out the beer's dark chocolate flavours and enhances its drinkability. Despite its intensity, Speedway Stout's fine carbonation and creamy mouthfeel make it very smooth and surprisingly easy to drink. This beer ages very well and will continue to mature for many years to come. From the Evening Times Online. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Evening Times. This audio-talking newspaper digest was a Q&Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q&Review, and the producer was Rhiannon McInnes. Q&Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity, number SC018016. Our registered office is at 18 Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow.
G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141-772-3976. Remember to return your cassette in the wallet provided. Just flip over the address label and post it back to us.